You're listening to Sales is King, episode 98. And today, in the Sales is King spotlight, is Kristen Luck, a successful entrepreneur, a longtime friend of mine, and someone who drives herself to be successful. And if you thought you were doing well, you need to listen to Kristen and what she does on a yearly basis to improve. And you may need to rethink some of your strategies for the better. Kristen advises numerous companies in how to jumpstart and accelerate their revenue and profits. She also is on countless boards and is a fantastic person and someone that you should reach out to and get to know. And it was great to have her back on the Sales is King Spotlight. Stay tuned. Hi there. I'm on my way. I'm making it. I've got to make it show. So much larger than life. I'm gonna watch it grow. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Sales is King. Dan Sixsmith here, and happy to bring back to the program <laughs> Kristen Luck. Kristen, how have you been? I'm well. So, I'm happy to be in a quieter environment than our oh, last Oh, yes. Yeah. So for those of you who might not have seen episode 55, we did it in a uh, one of the hotels. Which hotel the was it? The Bowery Hotel. The Bowery Hotel. Bar. Beautiful, beautiful hotel. We were at the bar, and we had... Uh, the pleasure of uh, clanging dishes and uh, crazy kitchen staff and and a fire alarm and a, oh that's right. a fire alarm <laughs> yes and Just the a fire alarm fire yes. emergency so uh, this time is much more quiet and hopefully uh, we'll have the same kind of fun we had last time yes. so tell us what you've been up to uh, what have you been working on these days Ooh, I've been up to a lot I rebranded my consulting practice so I'm mm -hmm. scaling my scaling growth strategy uh. practice which of course as any good scaler would um, brought in uh, another consultant into the practice to um, specialize in turnarounds and mm. um, some mm. of the other consulting gigs that I didn't have mm -hmm. the bandwidth to take on mm -hmm. um, I got my investment banking license. So, Tremendous, that yeah. is incredible. So uh, yeah, so today we're coming coming to everyone live from Oberon Securities where uh -huh, yes, yes. I am now an investment banker in addition Congratulations. to everything else I'm doing. Yes, so yeah. you can hit Kristen up now for all your investment banking needs. Yes. Um, and major deals, that's very exciting. Yeah. And that was a difficult process, I would imagine? Or? Uh, you know, it wasn't the easiest process, yeah. Mm -hmm. But as it turns out, I'm, I'm, I'm really good at learning new things still. So I've, I kind of make it a point to try to learn something new every year. You know, a couple mm -hmm. years ago, I decided I was going to learn how to skateboard. Interesting. Um, and then I decided I was going to learn Greek. And um, wow. this last year, it was getting my investment banking license. Wow, that's tremendous. It really is. I yeah. mean, that's just a great example of just continuing to to evolve, keep yourself challenged, right, and fresh and grow and have goals. Yeah. So, wow, that's yeah. incredible. And, you know, it was a real natural evolution for my consulting practice. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm working a lot with companies to help them scale and ultimately monetize their businesses. So mm -hmm. getting involved in M&A is a pretty <clears throat> natural progression of yes. that business life cycle. So when we think yeah. about the work you're doing with these companies, 
Um, I think what we want to talk about today is like, what, what are you seeing out there for the companies that are succeeding in their efforts to scale and at the, at the pace that they want? What are the strategies that they're doing well? And then conversely, we can talk a little bit later about where some of the, some of the challenges and the pitfalls yeah. that these companies run into. So love to hear a little bit about what's yeah, happening yeah. there. Um, you know, I mean, I think if we're going to start with like, what, you know, what are the companies that are really succeeding doing well? I mean, I think, I think the first thing that I would highlight would be a focus on strategic planning. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that that's really challenging for, for a lot of companies. You know, you get very involved in working in the business day to day. And I think we talked about this yes. the last time that we met, but that focus on working in the business versus on. Yes. Um, and yes. finding the balance between the two things. I know for, um, for a lot of early stage founders, it can be really difficult to get out of working in the business day to day and actually set aside time for strategic planning. But I think having a real firm foundation on what are your key objectives and what are the key results that ladder into those objectives mm -hmm. really help people stay focused. Mm -hmm. Because particularly when you're early stage, you get hit with a lot of opportunities right. and a lot of people have ideas and maybe you're not growing as fast as you want to. And so you get distracted by little shiny objects that come your way. Mm. And I feel like having a real firm understanding of like what the company objectives are and making sure that everyone is aligned with it mm -hmm. um, goes a long way with helping keep people on track. And is that a skill that is, do you see, uh, that's obviously where you come in. Yeah. But, uh, is that, that, that sounds like it's a tough skill for some people if they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, I think if you, if you have an understanding of the framework, it's not a difficult, mm -hmm. it's not a difficult activity. I mean, I just, um, I just took an executive team through that process last week and it took us about three and a half hours and it, you know, it's a kind mm -hmm. of an iterative process. So right. where you land at the end of three and a half, four hours is not necessarily where you're going to land a week later. Right. But I think just getting foundationally the elements in place and, and being able to discuss that and what success looks like in relation to those objectives, that's a really important activity yeah. to, and to go Yeah, using that through. as a roadmap and making sure you're constantly going back to that and as you said, not getting distracted yeah. with all the nonsense that comes in. Yeah, because there's, there's a lot of noise, particularly in the early stages of the company. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Excellent. So what other uh, uh, interesting um, things are you seeing out there in terms of uh, people that are successful and what they're keying on? Yeah, we talked about this as well, I think in the last podcast episode that we did, but I, I do think paying attention to the mix of marketing and sales activity yeah. is really important and that mm -hmm. too oftentimes people try to muscle through sales mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. underinvest in marketing. Mm -hmm. you know, marketing's, mm -hmm. from my perspective, marketing's main objective is to drive sales activity. Mm -hmm. So how do we make the sales process easier? How are we bringing leads into the company in a really meaningful way? They're going to convert as quickly as mm -hmm. possible. So how do we bring the most qualified leads in? Uh, and what I find is that marketing many times is undervalued mm. and that people are really trying to just muscle their way through sales, mm. which is an incredibly expensive and laborious process. It really is. And particularly if they're not doing selling well. So in terms of the marketing strategies, what are, what are you know, some of the successful companies doing well? How are they breaking through? Because it's so hard to get through to people today, right? Whether it's, is it good emails? Is it, you know, what sort of approaches are they, are they taking? I think, it, I think it's figuring out what the right mix is. Um, yeah. uh, you know, oftentimes what I, when I see, and a lot of this is driven by sales teams, is that there's too much focus on events. You mm -hmm. know, event spend, the, the mm -hmm. CAC around events is pretty high. 
Mm -hmm. um, and events also have diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. And you know, if you go to a lot, I mean, I go to a lot of events mm -hmm. and um, after the fourth or fifth one of the year, I keep seeing the same four or 500 people over and over and over again, you know, so your pool of people that you're selling to goes down over time. And it, I feel like events can be really deceptive because when you're there, you know, you're at a big event, there's two, 3000 mm -hmm. people there. You're like, Oh my God, everyone in my industry is here. Right. Well, no, that's like less than 1% probably the people that you could be reaching globally. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, like I said, I think that when you're in the moment, it feels like, you know, you're reaching the entire available universe of prospective mm -hmm. clients. Mm -hmm. But I think the best companies have a really solid mix of, you know, digital thought leadership, content strategies, and mm -hmm. events, and they understand the role that all of those different marketing elements play together. And they're also really good at measuring what the ROI is of those. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then in terms of content, what, what, are, what are some of the successful um, companies using in terms of how, do, how are they personalizing their content? Because we get so many emails today, right? How the heck do you get to your breakthrough, right? So obviously there's so much we hear about personalization, yeah. doing the research, being targeted, you know, is that kind of what you're seeing? Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's interesting. I, uh, for me, there's such a fine line between personalization and really creepy um, still <laughs> to this day. <laughs> right, right, um, right. Uh, I'm a big fan of account-based marketing, which yeah. I think is, is kind of like, um, bridges that fine line. So mm -hmm. account-based marketing, you know, if you're using a platform like Triblio or Demandbase or one of, you know, one of these technology mm -hmm. platforms that can target by IP address, then you can deliver targeted content based on, um, you know, what company somebody is in. So for instance, if I was trying to target Microsoft as a prospective mm -hmm. client, mm -hmm. I would know to send somebody from Microsoft or serve them an ad or an ebook or a piece of content that's relevant to their business. Now I wouldn't necessarily have to call it Microsoft in the, in the content, but it would be right. a tech based, you know, yes. Yes. piece of content. So I'm not delivering them something, you know, about donuts, which is going to be less, right. less compelling for them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, but I think yeah. that's a, you know, I think the, the, the most successful companies that, that I see are using marketing technology and sales technology really effectively. Yeah, and then leveraging it in a non-creepy way, as you said, Correct. because we yeah. do have this intent marketing. We are getting information. I know I've been using a different few different platforms, and they say, you know, XYZ person was on your website, or yeah. this company was on your website, and you got to be kind of tactful about it and not say, yeah. hey, you know, you're on, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we're, 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 we're spying on you. Yeah, exactly. You know? I know. I would just have visited um, a company's website where I know the head of sales, and they had sent me an email that had a ebook download in it. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I hit the landing page for it and I was like, oh, I don't want to fill out the form. So I just right. exited out of it. And then literally 30 seconds later, he sent me an email. I was like, Hey, how you doing? And I was like, Oh, that's, oh, you know, it's like, hard. It's hard. I said, well, I hope you're less creepy with people that you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's funny because there, there's all the research is about, you know, you have to, you have to engage as quickly and as soon yes. as someone, it says they're interested, right? Yeah. So it's it's kind of a it's kind of a delicate balance, yeah. but it is you know it, it is a it is a little odd. One of the other statistics that I read recently was that actually forty eight percent of salespeople do not ever follow up on a lead. Okay, which so, is shocking to me. I would agree, but I see it time and time again, and this. I, I don't want to segue necessarily to like what the companies are doing wrong. Let's. But this is, <laughs> this is a great segue because. 
I cannot even tell you. And I mean, companies that have great, you know, sales and marketing tech enabled platforms have an influx of leads that don't get followed up on or they get followed up on one time and right. they don't That's go into a, a nurturing funnel or they don't, you know, they get one touch and that's it. And you and I both know, like, it takes a lot of contacts in order mm -hmm. to close a deal. I, don't, I can't, I don't know what the average is these no, days. The last like, one I heard yeah. was like 20 touches to get a it, yeah, proposal. It's, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. And most people just give up way too soon. That's exactly it. And that was the yeah. gist of the article. I think it was by Conversica. Um, and it was literally, they were, they were either not responding at all, which to me was like, okay, do you, you should be in a different line of work. Yeah. Right? <laughs> You're not responding to a lead. Yeah. But then a vast, even larger percentage was giving up after one or two. And the ones that stuck in after four, the percentages spiked yeah. on, on conversion. So um, that's just crazy to me. Yeah. You know? And I think this is where, you know, I see a lot of gap in between like the, the marketing to sales funnel. So mm -hmm. marketing will source these leads they'll get passed to sales and then all of a sudden there's like no responsibility for where, you know, like you'll talk to the marketing team and they're like, Oh, well we passed them to sales and we don't really know what happened to them after that. You know, yeah, like oftentimes done. there's not like an ownership of the full funnel mm -hmm. and a tracking, you know, of, Hey, you know, those leads were sent over. Now what's the status of every single one of those leads, mm -hmm. you know, and do they need to get pushed back into a nurturing right. funnel through marketing if they're not, well, right. I mean, if we're using HubSpot terminology, if they're on an SQL. Right, yeah. right, yeah. No, and if they are an SQL, what's the follow-up process then for sales? And this is why I'm such a big advocate of having this very holistic sales and marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when at my last business, I was in charge of both sales and marketing. I know that's rather unusual for a lot of firms, mm -hmm. but there is something really powerful about having those teams very, very connected and aligned. There's no doubt about it. I mean, and that's where I think a lot of companies are faltering today. Um, and that kind of leads me into the next thing on customer experience, right? Yeah. How important that is um, and just making sure everything is kind of seamless, right? Mm -hmm. I, was, I was talking to Carlos Hidalgo, who's uh, one of my guests recently, and, and his whole company now is focused on customer experience. And I've also read that that's becoming the number one differentiator for companies today. Oh, for sure. So I'd love to get your thoughts on what you're seeing in terms of that and, and, and how that can be um, leveraged successfully. Yeah, I mean, I think this is, this is a great example of like how leaky funnels happen, mm -hmm. which is, mm -hmm. you know, we get so focused on bringing clients in, which is the really hard part of, of the process. Right. And then we bring them in. <laughs> <laughs> and then they have a shitty experience and they leave. Okay, they're like, you know, so, and this happens all the time. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I'll be brought into a consulting engagement. Uh -huh. People are like, gosh, the company's not growing. We can't figure out why. Well, generally I know within 24 hours. Right. Revolving door status. In and out, in mm -hmm. and out, in and out. And you can see this, like, if you haven't ever done this as a business owner, like, just pull your year-over-year -year attrition rates. All the revenue from a client last year and all the revenue from the client this year and you can easily tell if you've got a leaky funnel problem mm -hmm. um i think there isn't enough focus on once you bring in an account you know how to make those clients feel loved and nurtured and appreciated and how are you how you're growing that and this is the difference of course between hunters and farmers and you mm -hmm. have to have both of those types of people on your team uh everyone in the company that is in a client facing role is responsible for growth mm-hmm so, so true. You might not be a hunter, but if you're not a hunter, you better be a darn good farmer. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and you better be capable of growing those accounts. And the really, you know, the companies that are growing quickly have those people in place and they've got, you know, there's a one company that I consult for that has what they call customer love strategy, which mm. is how do we make our customers feel loved and important I love and appreciated. And it's all of these different activities that they do, which I think are, you know, it's really powerful in terms of keeping clients engaged and feeling appreciated. And it's not, it's, it's not like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm sending them expensive gifts three times a year. It's literally like, oh, I was reading this article and I thought of you and I thought it was super interesting or it made me think of your business mm -hmm. or, you know, um, congratulations, you had, a, you had a baby and I'm right. sending you a care package or I heard you got promoted, like fantastic. You know, it's like paying attention to what is going on. So true. And yeah. humanizing that relationship instead of just treating them like a wallet. And then what happens is in these subscription businesses, you know, the guys are coming around a year later. Yeah. Zero contact. Yeah. And not even seeing how they're enjoying the service or product and then kind of coming in for a renewal. Yeah. Which is, which is awful. And I think the stat was 71% of, of revenue is generated from your kind of current client base. And then we focus so much on demand gen and new business. So yeah. it's really... It's really incredible. But I think even for SaaS businesses, yeah. having a tracking system within your platform that helps you understand what functionality people are using yes. and what they aren't, like there are tremendous opportunities for upselling and engaging clients on a deeper level, even mm -hmm. within a SaaS platform. Absolutely. You know, if, if you're, you know, if you're looking at usage and you notice that usage has dropped off or there's certain functionality they're not using, that's an opportunity for a conversation. But so oftentimes we bring clients in and then they license and like, awesome, we just closed a software deal, like on to the next thing. We're not paying attention anymore. So how do we, so how are you helping companies focus on that? How, how do we shift that mentality? Is it just that everyone's just so damn busy and running around and there's no, there's no like job that does this or like someone, Carlos was talking about a chief customer success officer For or sure. something like that. What, what do you think? For sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had that at, at my companies. I, mm -hmm. you know, I think that there's, there's a few different roles. There's, um, you know, like, uh, uh, the customer success person, super mm -hmm. important, like mm -hmm. having somebody that's in charge of mm -hmm. that and understands what their role is mm -hmm. and there's KPIs related to that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think a tech, you know, technical sales is really important. Mm -hmm. So somebody who is both a salesperson and understands the technical side, if you're in a SaaS business, mm -hmm. super important. We had, yes. a, you know, I had a great guy at my last company, you know, Taylor, mm -hmm. fantastic at technical sales um, and was really paying attention to what functionality clients were using and what they were mm. using technology to track product usage. Mm -hmm. I think very, very important. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, I think one of the most important roles, and we may have talked about this on the last podcast is having a revenue operations person. So someone who is mm -hmm. responsible for CRM maintenance and governance and compliance and is tracking usage and, and revenue and customer engagement through mm -hmm. that, that tool. And I think mm -hmm. that is an underutilized and underbudgeted function. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. It really is. Um, great. So what else, uh, what, are, what are some of the other areas where people are tripping up or that are problem, problems that you see uh, with some of the companies that are not reaching their goals? or slowly creeping along? What, where do they, you know, um, is it more in the kind of um, the leadership and the culture? Is it more of um, execution? You know, where do, where do you see it kind of going well, awry? I think, you know, I think a lot of it is a lack of differentiation. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. And mm. I think for, you know, for many businesses, particularly for businesses who have been around for a long period of time, 
you know, their industry has likely changed over a period of time and mm -hmm. they haven't changed with it and their positioning mm -hmm. hasn't changed. And so mm -hmm. um, I think doing a reassessment of your positioning and what makes you special and different and making sure that you're really communicating that to clients is, is really important. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I see a lot of folks talking about themselves in a way that it's not, it's not clear what problem they're solving for mm. clients. So it's not a solutions oriented messaging or positioning. Mm -hmm. I see that a lot. Yeah. And they're, it's very functional in nature. Like I'm going to tell you what I do as a business. Yeah, but that's not solving a problem. Exactly. You know, it, it, from my perspective, it's always more powerful to come from a, from a solutions Absolutely. messaging, Absolutely. you know, like what problem are you solving or what benefit are you giving to clients versus like, here's, here's how we make the donuts. Yeah, exactly. And it's really positioning the company like we would in sales position our, our, our service. Sure. And that's what I'm doing with a lot of the sales teams, trying to get them to be more consultative, right? And not come yeah. in and talk about, here's how this thing works yeah. versus here's the problems it solves or here's what we've done with other customers or here's what we see in the marketplace. Here's some information that you might not know and, and changing the whole approach. So it sounds yeah. like these, these companies have to position themselves that way. For sure, well. and I think staying on top of what your actual competitive set is, because that changes on a year to year right. basis, if not quarterly to quarterly. So right. making sure you understand who it is that you're actually competing against, you know, how you're differentiated. And I, for one, and I'm sure you've used these before, but I love kill sheets. Mm -hmm. You know, I always keep mm -hmm. those updated. I have an understanding of like exactly where I sit in regards to my competitive set. Mm -hmm. And I make sure that my sales team understands the messaging around that. It's critical, yeah. right? Because you need to know what the other players are saying. For sure. And you have to be proactive to go out and, and, and you know, target those things. Yeah. And, 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 and highlight where you're strong, where they may be weak. Yeah. Versus just kind of flailing about, throwing darts and hopefully hoping things work and I can't wait to get to the demo. Yeah. And, uh, oh, you know, right. which unfortunately that's where everybody's comfortable. So we're trying to build this skill of conversational and listening and listening to understand versus listening to can't wait to get to what I'm right. going to talk about. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, exactly. So, um, yeah, so this is, this is all very exciting. Um, Anything else that you're passionate about these days? What's uh, top of mind? Obviously, the investment banking is, is <laughs> tremendous. Well, I mean, it's really uh, hot in the space that I'm in. That's, uh, that's huge. Yeah, I mean, I've, I work pretty much in the uh, data technology mm -hmm. and analytics space. So mm -hmm. we've had a couple of really big transactions this last year. Fantastic. Qualtrics, you know, sold oh, yeah. to SAP. Right, right. Tableau oh, yeah. that just oh, yeah. sold Salesforce. to Salesforce. Yeah, wow. So um, as you can imagine, there are a lot of companies that are looking at those really crazy valuations and have a lot of interest in selling mm -hmm. now. And so I, one of the things that I'm spending a lot of time coaching folks on are what are all the different triggers that drive high valuations. Mm. And I Very think getting focused on those, you know, particularly when you're 12 to 24 months away from wanting to mm -hmm. sell is really important because, you know, how you run and operate a business in a growth stage is different than when you're 12 to 24 months away from selling. Mm. So, you know, your, your ultimate, sale price is going to be based either on a multiple of EBITDA or on a multiple of revenue. Mm -hmm. And you know, if you're a growth business, yeah, you're probably going to be more focused on revenue than on profitability. And likewise, right. if you're a pretty traditional solid, you know, old school business, maybe your EBITDA is going to be higher than, than your growth right. rate. Right. So having an understanding of what kind of business you are and ultimately what you want to sell for, and then what you need to do in order to get that valuation, 
Right. That's a lot of what I'm focused on right now. That's great. Yeah. That's very exciting. Super. Well, excellent. Well, I think uh, this was great to yeah, have you thanks back. Thanks for having me back. What, it's been uh, so quiet. Yeah, right? No interruptions. I, mean, I know. I know. It's like we're almost like uncomfortable. I know. I feel like I need to claim something. <laughs> yeah. So how, how can people track you down on social or what's the best way to get in touch? Yeah. I mean, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm just Kristen Luck. Um, my website is scalehouse.consulting. Mm. You can track me down there. Great name. I'm super active on Twitter. So mm -hmm. Kristen Luck. Yep. I follow, I follow Kristen. You should follow her. Yep. I also have a great blog. You can subscribe to it on my website. Yes. Yeah, where I talk a lot about growth strategy and sales and marketing strategies. So. Wonderful. No, yeah. she's super plugged in. Um, has a lot of great knowledge, has been super successful. I mean, I congratulate you on the investment banking Thank and you. continue to, to evolve. <laughs> She's a motivational tool for me because I always, ever, after I meet with her, I'm like, I got to do more. So it's so great. Yeah. But thanks again. It's really great to see you. Yeah, likewise. And, um, thanks for having me we'll back. We'll have you back again. Yeah. Peace, guys.